This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're joined in the studio at the Capitol by Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes, a Buffalo Democrat who sponsored the 2021 Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act and is here to discuss the implementation of that groundbreaking law. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And as you know, I appreciate the topic. Well, it's our pleasure to have you here. So Governor Hochul recently spoke with uh, your hometown newspaper's editorial board about the rollout of recreational marijuana. And she had some critical things to say. And speaking specifically about the legislation, she argued that it was, quote, crafted in a way that was not poised for success. As the sponsor of the bill, and with the benefit of hindsight, is there anything that you think could have been done differently with the legislation? Well, first of all, let me say I have the utmost respect for the governor, but I disagree with her on that aspect of it. I do think it was crafted with the right intention. But the only thing I think we could have done different is to regulate before we legalized. Because by legalizing without regulations... The illicit market just kind of stormed the whole issue. And not just from the aspect of people who organized to open multiple stores, but from the aspect of people who have existing stores that have existing license to sell lottery tickets, sell beer, sell cigarettes. They are now also in the illicit cannabis business as well. And so I think, you know, the only thing that we could have done a lot different uh, would would have been to regulate a product before it was legalized, which seems kind of complicated. But honestly, I think that's the only thing that could have stopped this onslaught of uh, illicit stores. And, you know, I won't disagree with the governor that the legislation could need some tweaking on a number of issues. As you know, last year we made some tweaks to the enforcement piece of it. We gave the taxation department some additional authority and still yet that hasn't been enough. And so there's going to be some recommendations, I believe, this year that would add some additional enforcement language so that we could have the support of our criminal justice system that's born to uphold the laws, the police officers, the district attorneys, etc. And so we'll have to find the right kind of language to be able to get these illicit businesses shut down. Outside of that, the fact that there are actually, I want to say, 50 mm-hmm legal businesses that are open in the state of New York, surely that should be more after three years. But if you look at it from a perspective across of how everything else worked in other places and other states in this country, uh, no one has ever had that many stores that specifically look like social equity. Um, And so I, I think At the end of the day, when we pull all of these pieces together, the governor is going to be pleased with the results. I will also give her credit for the fact that um, she stepped into this. It was already passed and signed by the previous governor. She became the governor, I want to say, in August or September of that year. There should have been a board in place already, but it wasn't. There should have been an office already in place, but it wasn't. And so and none of that would be here if it was not for her. So to her credit, you know, she stepped in on some legislation that she did not peruse or pass or sign. But she stepped in to make it happen because she knew that it was the right thing to do. And honestly, I'm hopeful that we're able to pull it together at some point so people can stop complaining. <laughs> 
Well, uh, well, the regulations and the actual implementation of the law have happened uh, on the governor's watch, including she named the head of the Office of Cannabis Management as well as the chair of the state's Cannabis Control Board. Do you think the regulatory work that's been done has been up to snuff? Is it what you would have envisioned with the law that you championed? Are you happy with the administration of it? I'm happy with the administration of it. I know there are a lot of people who have a lot of concerns about CARD, which is the conditional licensing for people who have been just as impacted. That's not legislation. That wasn't asked for in the legislation. It was a method that the agency decided to use to meet the goal that was given to them to provide social equity. I do kind of feel some kind of way about the chair of the board and the executive director and the issues that they confronted when they first got there because it was really structured, kind of weird. The legislation, I will give due credit for that one, but we were working with a different governor at the time, and in order to not have some of the things that he wanted, that which would have had a negative impact, we accepted his idea of having a full-time chair with limited responsibilities. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. Uh, we're speaking with Assembly Majority Leader Crystal People Stokes, the author of the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, and we're talking about the implementation of that 2021 law. So one of the things that the Office of Cannabis Management, with the blessing of the Cannabis Control Board, has adopted are rules governing packaging, marketing, advertising, and the industry argues that these rules, as written, while they might be well-intentioned, hold them back, especially when it comes to the advertising component and their ability to compete against that illicit market. So should those regulations be uh, amended? They probably should be amended. I actually just coming in from uh, Buffalo um, last week to Albany, I looked up and saw an advertisement for cannabis. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's not possible under our legislation. But then I was told by my very capable legislative director that, oh, that's that store is in Massachusetts. (laughs) So if they're allowed to advertise in our state, we should allow our own businesses to, to advertise as well. So I do think there should be some tweaking around that area, absolutely. As it relates to broadcasters, I think there should be some tweaks around that as well. And what about the storefronts themselves? Because the state is pretty prescriptive about what the storefront can actually look like, whereas the illegal markets, because they're illegal, they just do whatever they want and advertise however they want. So should the legal retail dispensaries have more latitude to make their shops look enticing and inviting? I, I think that they should, and I think that the, some of the restrictions are a little too stringent. And, I mean, I've been to some of the stores, mm-hmm. the legal stores that are now open, and literally the one that I was in in lower Manhattan two weekends ago, you could look across the street and see a big lit-up sign that says smoke shop. And here you don't even know where you're coming, except I knew what the address was. And so I do think that that's a problem, and at some point that will need to be tweaked as well. The governor is looking to overhaul the potency tax on marijuana, which is a key item on the wish list of a lot of players up and down the industry. By the way, I carry that legislation, and I would love to see it happen. In budget or out, it doesn't matter. It needs to happen. Yeah. Why do you think it needs to happen, and is it something where there is disagreement on between the governor and the legislature? 
Um, well, I think because it's um, it, it provides an unfair opportunity, a, a, a disadvantaged opportunity for legal businesses mm-hmm. to compete with the illicit market. Um, and honestly, to compete with Massachusetts or any other state that's around us. If we if our taxes are higher, it's going to be a challenge to get people to, to buy the product. And so I'm sure you probably know this. We work really long and hard with the former governor, Cuomo, on this. And I, I give him a lot of credit for helping us get it to a point where it could be passed and signed. But in putting together legislation, there's always three sides. There's the Senate, there's the Assembly, and there's the executive branch. And so there were some things that we attempted to agree with um, in order to get the legislation done, even though it wasn't a top priority for me. It was never a priority for me to put additional taxes on, on potency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People are looking for a potent product. They don't want to pay more for it. Um, although, you know, that was a position that, you know, the former governor felt very strongly about. And I, I don't want to say that there was someone else in the Senate who might have felt that way as well. But I will say that I did not feel that way. But I'm not going to let that stop the opportunity to make this a legalized product. So that's what we did. And now we have to tweak that as well. Does the status quo just have a certain amount of pull in Albany? And does that make it kind of difficult to change something like a potency tax once it's been in place? Well, once it once you can see its opportunity to raise money, okay. no one wants to see that opportunity for that money to go down because, as you know, we have so many needs in education and health care and housing. And um, so when the state is able to collect money, it doesn't want to stop collecting it and return it backwards. And so that is a bit of a challenge, but I'm thinking that that's something we can get through. The rollout of the... Uh new dispensaries has been plagued in some ways by the availability of capital for some of these uh, operators who were hoping that they could turn to the state for uh, financing, but they've argued, at least some, that the money that's available through the dormitory authority and, and the private equity that they've partnered with is predatory in nature. What's your sense of the loans and the terms that are uh, be ma- being made available uh, to help people set up shops? Well, you know what, I always thought that particularly if we want to point to um, social equity and, you know, targeting 50 percent uh, people who have been disenfranchised by the whole war on drugs, that they were going to be needing some financial support. So I was actually looking to that financial support to come from government. But in actuality, what OCM came up with in conjunction with DASNY is a fund that folks will go out and recruit and get investors to invest in this fund that would help these specific applicants get access to building their businesses so they can get started. Um, that did not work as well as people assumed that it would. And in some ways, you know, I thought, you know, why would investors invest in someone else's business when they can just wait and invest in their own business. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, for the governor and her administration, I think they're the ones that went out and identified Atlantic to, you know, be the supporter of uh, the resources that she put 50 million in on, 50,000 in on. 50 million, yeah. Yeah, And they were looking for 150 million as well on top of that. She went out and found them. And I I think that their rates are a little predatory. I think 13% is too much. Uh, but, you know, people are accepting it and they're getting their businesses open and 
I don't know. I think at the end of the day, if we really want to support people in uh, getting businesses open, we should begin using our own um, Empire State Development Corporation and providing it with low interest or no int- or no interest at all loans or grants. And for aspiring retailers who don't want to take advantage of those terms for whatever reason, maybe because they feel like they're predatory. Last summer, the state announced, I think, a $5 million fund where loans of up to $100,000 would be made available, I think, with uh, interest rates up to about 5%. Any update on the implementation of that? Has that money been flowing out the door? Because I haven't seen any like announcements about um, I loans. don't think much of that has flown out the door yet. Um, I think that is something that we will inquire about just to see how much has gone and how much is left. And you mentioned the idea of the state's role in helping finance. And that reminds me of just the broader issues that people have had with banking in in the marijuana industry because of the the federal uh, regulations governing marijuana. So is there a, a broader role the state could play, say, in launching some sort of public banking option to help just people do their payroll, let alone access finance? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a great question. In fact, there are pieces of legislation already introduced in the Assembly, and I'm sure in the Senate as well, to one, provide for public banking, and another one to to provide for uh, cannabis banking specifically. And so, um, yeah, people do realize that there is a need to have access to banking. There are some credit unions um, that are already accepting money from dispensaries, legal ones, Mm -hmm. and... um, I don't know. I could probably sell you a Brooklyn Bridge if you don't believe banks are already engaged in cannabis money because they already are, but they just still stand behind, you know, this FDIC uh, agreement that they have with the federal government, to, you know, and it's the way they schedule it. But um, most people are not keeping these uh, billions of dollars that they're raising under their mattresses. They're, they're, they're depositing them somewhere in, in someone's bank. So... Um, yeah, we do need to do some work on banking. I've had some conversations with banking chair uh, Pam Hunter. Um, Senator Saunders has done a lot of work around this in public banking. So perhaps this is something we can get included, if not in the budget, before we complete this year's session. Again, though, is that another area where because there's so much money at stake, and like you said, there are banks that will play in this space, but they will do it for a a very hefty price tag. Do you anticipate that they will be raising, you know, mother and earth to stop you guys from basically creating competition with them on the banking side? Of course they will. (laughs) That's what the lobbying business is about. And by the way, um, I suspect that they're probably the ones that are lobbying the federal government now Mm -hmm. to get them to change the schedule on cannabis it should not be a Schedule One drug, and if they remove that from it, then there are better opportunities for banking. And I think if there's a bipartisan bill that will come out of the federal government this year, that will be it, banking and cannabis. Well, as more and more shops do come online, that does mean more tax revenue for the state, more money that goes back into uh, communities around New York, communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. What's your sense of that effort and specifically the work of the Cannabis Advisory Board, which had, you know, in 2023 raised some issues about their operations? Well, you know what? They should have been raising up issues about their operation because they didn't have any resources to deal with as of yet. But, you know, that's temporary Mm -hmm. and that's going to change as soon as there are more stores open. Um, I do know 
uh, many of the people that are, are on the Cannabis Advisory Committee. I do know they understand that these are resources that are going to be collected to pour into communities that have been disenfranchised. And I do know they have a committee structure set up to begin figuring out how that happens when they have the availability of resources to disseminate. And finally, do you still enjoy talking about cannabis or three years later, are you just sick of it? Uh, I still enjoy talking about it. I am a little disappointed that, you know, so many people have taken us to state and OCM to court so many times holding up the process for what we would have liked to have seen, which have been people in business as a result of social equity. And while they were holding up that process, they were also holding themselves up. And so they held, held up the whole industry and they allowed the illicit industry to thrive without competition. And so I'm disappointed by that, but I do know that we, you know, we live in America. That's what happens. People can get away with doing some things, they, they will get away with doing some things. The other thing that brings me a lot of um, a lot of gratitude is not just the criminalization, decriminalization of cannabis, but the legalization of cannabis literally has some 440,000 people now without a record. Some actually released from jail because they were charged and convicted of crimes the same amount that's now legal. And so there's a lot of gratification in that. I, I don't know how these people are turning their lives around and taking the opportunity that's been given them by not having to answer this question, are you a felon on an application? I don't know how many of them are taking advantage of it, but I know what the possibilities are for them if they are. And so to me, that's just very encouraging. And I believe that at some point we'll get to the space where um, – as an industry, it's respected, much like, you know, alcohol is respected through SLA. It took 10 years, 10 years after Prohibition to get alcohol all straight without grandma or grandpa still making, you know, the hard liquor in the basement. It took 10 years for that to happen. What are we, three years in, four years in? And there's no problems with the state liquor authority today. It's all been cleaned up and perfect. So, yep. yeah. No one opens up an illegal liquor store. No one opens opens up a place where you can sell and buy liquor without a license. They don't do it. Or has any issues with the state liquor granting licenses or the speed of the work that they do? Now, that might be a different story. <laughs> <laughs> but people do get a license. And I want to say the last time I asked, there's something like um, – 3,000 or 4,000 people who are licensed for liquor stores in the state of New York. Mm -hmm. I don't think there'll be nearly that many cannabis stores, but I think I would imagine it'd be at least half across the entire state. Well, we've been speaking with Assembly Majority Leader Crystal People-Stokes. She is a Buffalo Democrat. Assembly Leader, thank you so much for visiting us. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you for talking about my favorite topic. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and health care.